everyone, it's been a while since I've been on the mic and I just want to share that there's a reason for that. Lately, me and my co-founder Ben have been working together to make Nomad Wolf more than just a podcast and Instagram. For the past couple of months, Ben's been developing the platform side of Nomad Wolf, where we're redefining virtual races and challenges as a means to support our running goals. We've both been pouring in late nights and recently tested Nomad Wolf by hosting a small online race with a group of friends from Thailand, the UK, and the US. It's opened doors of insight into what we need to focus on next, and we hope to bring everyone listening for a new beta test after we build out the next feature or two. With that said, I'll be bringing back the podcast, and we'll also be featuring more content on the blog. So if you haven't checked out our new website, feel free to at nomadwolf.co. That's N-O-M-A-D-W-O-L-F dot C-O. Thanks for listening, and here's the long-awaited episode with YouTube run fluencer Seth James Amore. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is Seth James Damore representing the DGR family and my YouTube channel. You're listening to Nomad Wolf. Get out there and butter that bread. Ever miss the mark you set for yourself? You may be left vulnerable, feeling stuck in a low point, questioning your abilities to go out and perform what's staring back at you again. But in the midst of this dark time, you begin again, step by step, this time a bit smarter. But what's changed? Your approach. You've asked for help along the way, and those people have begun to light your path with answers and belief. My name is Glenn Gabriel, and this is the Nomad Wolf Podcast, a show about life, sport, business, and everything we could eat in between. We connect with high performers, endurance athletes, biohackers, mindset coaches, and pretty much anyone around the world with the appetite to challenge their potential, thus uplifting and unlocking everyone else's ability to seek theirs. So whether you're going from couch to 5k, or you're a long workout weekend warrior, we hope you find what you've been looking for, or what's been looking for you. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nomad Wolf. This week we're joined with an absolute legend and someone I'm truly inspired by. You might know him from YouTube, serving up in-depth running shoe reviews and a transparent look into his training out in beautiful Colorado. I have to add that his training is not a joke and really does pay off because he's placed in the top five in the recent Naples Half Marathon, first overall in the Pikes Peak Marathon late last year, and holds several FKTs, most notably the Boulder Skyline Traverse and Mount Elbert. Founder of Demore Global Running, Seth, it's awesome to have you on this episode of Nomad Wolf. Oh, thank you so, so much for that introduction. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to dive into lots of thoughts about life and running. And so the honor is all mine. Woo! I'm so stoked. Um, so before we get into the interview, as is tradition with the Nomad Wolf series, I know you have that morning cup of joe right after you wake up, right before you get running. How do you like your coffee and if you had to choose a favorite coffee shop, uh, either locally or around the world, where would that be? 
That's that's an amazing question to kick it off. Yes, I do have a slight, um, we'll just call it a slight addiction to uh, coffee. I love coffee and dark roast all the way. No cream, no sugar. Um, if I had time to do a French press every morning, I would. But it's like, you got to get out the door. And so sad, maybe someday I'll try and carve out more time uh, to do the French press every morning. But for now, it's just straight drip and um, steam coffee shop on Pearl Street in Denver. Love steam. That would be, it's called, yeah, just steam. It's a great shop to go to here in Denver. So that'd be my favorite coffee shop. Oh man, there's so many probably great ones that I've been to around the world, but uh, we'd be here all day talking about that. We'll save that for another podcast episode. There, there we go. <laughs> That's it. That sounds good. Do you have like um, a favorite go-to coffee bean that you use for your drip at home? Oh man, now, now now you're pushing my boundaries a little bit. I uh, I love coffee. I wish I had more time to research coffee beans. Mm. And I mean, I actually there's a there's another spot um not far from my house called Corvus, and they actually do classes on they do it's a roastery and they do classes. And so I'm excited someday to dive a little deeper into uh, into different types of coffee beans. But you stumped me there. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Well, first off, I want to congratulate you on an amazing race and also race recap. Um, thanks for bringing all of us along on the ride. Coming in, you know, in the top five, you just absolutely rocked it. I imagine you're fully recovered now and maybe you're already starting uh, to think about your next training block. I am. Yeah. So on January 17th, I did the Naples half marathon and shout out to the race directors for having a real in-person race in these crazy times. So shout out to them to make it happen. And we did it, I, you know, I think as safe as possible with uh, social distancing and masks and all that, but I was amazing is flat sea level in Naples and I am more of a mountain and ultra. Well, I would say more mountain runner than ultra runner trying to, so I'm 35 years old now and I'm trying to uh, transition a little bit back to the roads in my mid thirties, just trying to really run, you know, fast half and full marathons. Cause I actually, after college kind of skipped that step and I went more so straight into the ultra and mountain scene. So I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, trying to run some fast times again on the roads and managed to set, uh, you know, a 70 second PR in Naples. So that was fun. Um, and we'll see what it translates to this summer as again, I'll, I'll kind of go back to the mountains for more mountain racing as you kind of alluded to in your introduction with Pikes Peak. So yeah, it was a lot of fun and uh, shout out to, the, to Michael and Tyler who came out and filmed it. So all of you could watch it on YouTube. Yeah, it was, it was really amazing to watch and really be there almost like watching you run the whole thing. Uh, with everybody so supportive and, you, you know, everybody recording everything. So I'm, I know I'm not alone when I say this, but it's super inspiring to see someone share their story and go from, you know, running trails for fun to competing at an elite level and still having fun, if not even more fun. And it really makes a lot of us believe that a lot is possible for, you know, just the average, the average person that just goes to the trails and, you know, has a good time with their friends. So yeah, I, I just want to say thank you for, you know, sharing your story and, you know, inspiring a lot of people. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what the uh, that's what YouTube is all about is communicating and sharing stories on, you know, for in my case on a daily basis. And it's like social media gets a bad rap sometimes, but I think it can be used for good. Um, just like podcasting, like it can be used for good to help each other, in, especially during, you know, these crazy times with the pandemic, um, just inspiring each other to get out there, stay healthy, uh, disconnect a little bit from, you know, all the screens that we're bombarded with every single day and go run, whether it's on trails or in a city. And so that's what the YouTube channel is really about is just helping, as I always say, helping people uh, turn that doorknob and, and get out there. Hashtag turn that doorknob. I love it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so in this podcast, we love getting into the tough stuff right away. And I, I remember your episode from the Run Rabbit Run 100 mile race about, I think, two years ago, uh, where you DNF'd around 50 miles, right? Yeah, I, yep. And um, was that one of your most greatest eye-opening DNF experiences? Or what, what, is there another one that you probably want to share? Yeah, no, that definitely was. So after college, I took a little time off and that, well, five years of kind of non-competitive running, just kind of going out for fun. And it was great. And then rediscovered, you know, running competitive running through my brother and through, you know, mountain running, ultra running, and, you know, started to get the itch to see if I could, you know, maybe go out and do a hundred mile race. So um, I signed up for the Run Rabbit Run 100 here in Colorado, and it was my first one, and it's a pretty tough course. Um, I trained pretty hard for it, at least I thought I did, but I, it was definitely a rookie uh, race, and I made some rookie, you know, mistakes, and that's kind of par for the course for 100-mile races with your first one. Like, you're trying to figure out your nutrition, you're trying to figure out your also, you know, your gear, all sorts of different components. So yeah, I ended up for different reasons, but I ended up DNFing, uh, did not finish. I dropped out at 50 miles and um, there's a very emotional vlog on YouTube. You can go watch um, if you want. So yeah, it was, it was an eye opener, but it actually led me to what I'm doing now with uh, Pikes Peak being kind of a shorter race, you know, a 26 mile race versus a, a hundred mile race. And what I'm doing, what I did a couple of weeks ago in Naples, Florida, it was really, so for runners out there listening that are maybe a little discouraged by their race performance, it, who knows, but if you have, it might be an, an opportunity to reevaluate the types of races that um, you might be best, you know, I'm just going to say made for or built for, and I'm not saying I'm built for the hundred mile distance. And so who, what I've done in the last, since that race, two and a half years ago, I've transitioned backwards to shorter races. And I'm really glad that I did because I've had, you know, some really good success at shorter racing, um, short, you know, in air quotes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, you know, including a half marathon in Naples, which was my first road half marathon in over a decade. Uh, so just keep that in mind for if you have a bad race or maybe two or three in a row and it's like, huh, maybe just reevaluate, you know, maybe you sh instead of doing 5k road races, maybe you'd be better at marathon road races or 20 mile road races or maybe mm. trail races. So anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like you need to go out and try a little bit of everything, right? And, and also fail 
uh, fail big too, right? Yeah, exactly. Jumping back to that race and, you know, the emotional roller coaster that was, um, what was going through your mind and your body at that time? Can you kind of take us through, like, I don't know, some of the, the, the like I said, the mental roller coaster that, that you were going through? Physically, I made some major mistakes in the fact, like two things just right off the bat is that um, I didn't really know a lot about salt tablets. Mm. So I wasn't, I was drinking, but I don't think my body was actually absorbing the, the, the water uh, of the liquid. So I, I didn't, I wasn't really using salt tablets. So that was a big mistake because it was a hot day. I was battling plantar fasciitis. Um, and so that was not fun. And so that physically, that's what I was really dealing with. Mentally, it was very deflating in the sense that, and this is another good insight. Um, I had trained really hard for it. So that was disappointing that you train so hard for something and then it, it falls flat. Of course. But I had, a, I had a lot of good support there from friends, from family members, and you, you kind of feel bad in the race when you're, you're like, like letting them down. And so I think just a little tip of the day, like a little strategy is to have a little powwow with your support crew before the race starts, just, or if you, or if you are crewing somebody and supporting somebody in a big race, just make sure that you communicate to them, like, no matter what happens, we are here to support you. Like, you know, we're going to help you reach your goal as much as possible. But at the end of the day, we're here to support you no matter what happens. So, you know, we're going to help you fight to the death to get it done. But if it doesn't happen, um, so it was, it was a really hard battle from like mile 25 to mile 35 or 40, where I was like starting to contemplate dropping out because I was just breaking down physically. Um, so anyway, that that's what was going through my mind mentally. Yeah. yeah. It's almost those, those spontaneous, I guess, mishaps when it comes to a race where you kind of, your mind is searching for, I don't know, like what you said, you felt like you were letting everybody else down that was really there to support you, even if you failed, right? And your your mind is like searching for something to like get you to throw in the towel and, you know, add salt to injury. It, it, it gets really messy. Yeah, it can. It can. Um. And that's the weird thing about like ultras or at least any long distance race is, um, I guess, how you are able to weather the inevitable storm. Um, you know, long distance uh, races are almost guaranteed a low point. Um, and if you're lucky, maybe maybe two or three, depending on how long the race is. Um, each of us have found ways to deal with such lows and um, whether it's dedicating a section of the race to someone or even just focusing on that next micro step ahead of you. Given your experience now, what are some hacks that you've picked up to keep you engaged when the going gets tough? So I do, um, I kind of, <laughs> I basically write names on my arm before with a permanent marker. So I'll, I'll, I'll or, or reminders, like a mantra, just like one word. And I'll do, I usually pick like three things and I write it right on my wrist. Um, make sure that you don't do it on the wrist so your watch doesn't cover it. Yeah. But I just write like with a permanent marker, three reminders, you know, whether it's 
you know, offering kind of offering the suffering up for somebody or a reminder for, you know, you want to dedicate the race to somebody or just like a, like my, I am from a practical standpoint, I'm always saying, I'm always reminding myself eyes up, pump arms, quick feet. So that's kind of mm. my mantra when things get really hard to just eyes up. Like as soon as I start looking down too much, I start to collapse uh, my shoulders yeah, forward. Shoulders hunch forward. Yeah. And it kind of starts to restrict your breathing. Mm. Um, so I try and always have eyes up and then pump arms. Cause when your legs are tired at, toward the end of a race, if you can really focus mentally on pumping your arms, it's amazing what that action will do to your legs yeah. to help them, to help them keep going. Um, and then quick feet is the last thing I repeat. So those are a couple hacks. And um, I'm reading a book right now called Out of Thin Air. And it's about the Ethiopians and how they train and just how they really spend. They spend a lot of time running, but they spend a lot of time doing form drills where they their coaches will really like force the runners to run in single file in single file right back to back to back to back and the coach forces every single runner to run with basically the same stride and cadence Mm. and why they do that is that when it comes to race day the ethiopians try to apply it where they lock in their steps and their cadence to the runner in front of them if they're you know, right behind, if they're behind a Kenyan most often or a Kenyan is, so they're like, they try and lock in and they try is, you know, not to let that person go. Um, So if you're in a race, especially I'd say probably a road race more so than a trail race, if you can lock into that person ahead of you where you find that cadence and it's it's easier said than done, but that's kind of another hack that uh, I'm trying to work on as I, as I, you know, race more on the roads. Nice. Uh, speaking of cadence, and, and I'm exploring this as well in, within my own running, trying to bump my cadence and my turnover up by, I guess, using a metronome. I, I know that you said in your blogs that you've already kind of developed a quicker toner, turnover, and that's why you're more engaged in, in road races right now. You, you want to keep that turnover until you're you're a little bit older, and then you might dabble back into some trails and ultras. Um, yeah. When it comes to maintaining that high cadence, is there anything that you kind of recommend or something that you've read about? Yeah, there's a little bit of a, um, not a debate, but, you know, just a discussion between stride length and cadence and like, which is better to focus on, Mm -hmm. you know, your stride length, the longer your stride is, you know, the more ground you might cover. But if you're overstriding, um, that can lead to, to some major ramifications for your overall biomechanics. And so yeah. I, I always, I lean in the direction of, I'd rather have a quicker turnover than let's say a longer stride, mm. but keep in mind, I am a shorter guy. So my legs aren't that long. So I I've always focused on, so back to the mantra, quick feet. So I, I do every, you know, three times a week in the gym or just in my backyard, I'll do kind of what you, if you ever played basketball, you probably did the drill where you just stand in place and you just try and move your feet as quick as possible um, in place for 30 seconds. And it's just kind of um, that, you know, so basically it's trying to recruit fast twitch muscle fibers in your legs, um, which can also be done, of course, through, you know, workouts, but also strides. So mm. when you do like four to six strides, you know, three times a week where, so after you go run, you stop, 
And then I'll always, not always, but I try uh, three times a week to do four to six 120 meter strides, which a stride is, um, it's not a sprint, but it's, it's, it's pretty fast. Um, and again, it's just kind of reminding the legs how to go fast and how to do turnover. Um, because the older you get, the more you got to keep, uh, you got to keep focusing on that turnover. So, oh man, I don't know. That's a big topic. And that's a couple of thoughts as far as how to keep, keep your cadence up. And, um, and it's like a really a mental ch choice where you have to, for me, it's, it's not the knee drive up, but it's really the snap of the ankle back down. So like snapping that foot back to the ground is mm. really, and it's like, you have to really consciously think about it. And it gets, you'll think about it for like 45 seconds and then you'll forget about it. But then, you know, yeah. maybe the next, maybe the next day you'll think about it again. Anyway. Yeah. And it's all, it's mostly about those running drills. I, I see it all over Instagram where, you know, that ankle just like, it's almost like you're you're like kicking it forward but snapping it back. Yeah. Yeah. Ex exactly. So it's crazy to look back on, you know, your vlogs and see how much has transformed in, you know, just 2 years. Um I guess staying with the DNF theme, you DNF things that weren't related uh or weren't running related for your YouTube channel and just doubled down on running. Um, can you share your thoughts about how you came to that decision and what was going through your mind during that time when you, you, you just pivoted to being a running focused YouTube channel? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And for those listening, um, I've been uploading to YouTube every day for about almost five years. So for the first three to three and a half years, the YouTube channel was a, a daily vlog, V-L-O-G, so video blog. And it was about anything of life, you know, work, family, a little bit of running, but not really. And I just was, at the beginning of the vlog, I simply wanted to, I had three goals. I wanted to get better at video production. I wanted to have fun with video production. And I wanted to share a little bit of my story. That was it. Like it was just three simple vlog, three simple goals. Then, you know, I always had this dream and passion that I could do something with this. Um, I guess, yeah, just this, this passion for video production and what I'd like to think is, you know, my ability to share a story, but it just is, it was hard. And like 15 years ago, YouTube did not exist. Uh, well, 16 years ago now. Um, so I, I basically said, okay, something needs to change. Cause I had a, after three and a half years of daily uploading for everybody who knows about the channel. Now I had about a less, I think it was like less than a thousand subscribers. It was like the channel just wasn't growing. Mm -hmm. So I, I pivoted to the running content about two years ago, roughly a little over two years ago. And it's amazing. I didn't really realize how many runners out there uh, were out there curious to watch videos about running on YouTube. And so sure enough, as soon as I pivoted to running content, that is when the channel really started to grow where now it's, you know, over uh, 120,000 subscribers. So it's been an amazing journey, but a lot of people I think uh, don't, don't know that it was actually three years, roughly, I guess, yeah, I think it was, I guess maybe it was a little less than three years. Anyway, it was a long time of uploading and, you know, each video would get 
50 views. And so, mm-hmm. so anyway, it's all, it's just like long distance running. It's all about patience and consistency. Yeah. And also, I guess finding the, the distance or the race or the specific type of running that you're, that you're competitive and good at, right. I guess going, going back to how you did the hundred mile and now you're pivoting back to shorter road races. And I guess this is similar where, you know, you were really broad in your, your topic discussion and now you, you know, shrunk in and doubled down and focused, right? Exactly. Yeah. Great comparison. Exactly. And yeah, ever since uh, that pivot, you were true to your word and you focused on FKTs and non-ultra distances. Um, however, your training has been probably one of the most exciting things that uh, kind of got the gears turning in my mind because the lead up to the Naples Half Marathon, you built up to 130 miles a week, correct me if I'm wrong, and you held that um, you held that for about three weeks before you started to taper. Um, and for, for reference, uh, and my audience knows a little bit about this, I was training up for a 50 miler here in Thailand and I topped out at a hundred kilometers in my training week. Um, and then when I saw your training on YouTube, I had to really double check on Strava. I was like, is this real? Um, can you share, can you share your training philosophy and why did you ramp up to 130 miles for a half marathon training block? Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a good, uh, good, a great question. Big question. And I'm glad you verified on uh, Strava just to make sure I wasn't uh, pulling anybody's leg. So I'll try and be concise, but in high school, I was a pretty low mileage. Um, I think I topped out at 40 miles a week in high school, which these days in the United States is pretty low. A lot of high schoolers are running more than that, like 60 and sometimes even 70, which I think is maybe too much for high schoolers. Then I went off to college and ran at the University of Colorado. And, um, you know, the coach is known for aerobic development long-term. And so I went from, I went 70 miles my freshman year, 80, 90, and then a hundred miles my senior year of college, you know, miles per week, roughly. Um, And of course you're kind of going up and down depending on what time of year it is, whether it's cross country, indoor track, outdoor track, you know, a hundred miles a week doesn't scare me only because I have the Mm. experience of running that much in college, which at this point in my life was over 10 years ago. Mm. So now, um, as I'm, you know, trying to, so my ultimate, well, one of my big goals is to qualify for the U S Olympic marathon trials. So I've only run two road marathons in my life. So I'm still, I'm very new to that distance on the roads. And I guess to answer your question, at the end of the day, I do. So I I am a big believer in long-term aerobic development. Um, So steady state running versus more so let's say interval training. But of course, like for the half marathon, I am learning like this, as I said, like Naples was my first half marathon in a decade. Of course, I know I need to do fast interval training and workouts. Mm. Um, And I'm transitioning a little bit from mountain running to road running. So I've got to keep working on my speed. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
130 miles a week is a lot. And you also, it's a really good point is know your injury history and know your personalities. So I'm always saying on the vlog, like know yourself. Some people love interval training on the track. I personally don't love it. I don't mind it, but I don't love it. But, but you know, from the vlog, I love long runs. Mm. I could do long runs all the time. In fact, yeah. So that's why like, even though, so anyway, like 130 miles a week, it was a lot. And, but um, I enjoyed it. So I think a lot of runners maybe leave that part out where they don't ask themselves do I actually enjoy this type of training? I think that's an important question to ask. Like if you enjoy shorter interval training, like do more of that. And guess what? You might be a great 5K road runner or a 10K road runner. Anyway, that's a basic, uh, I could talk a long time about that, but that's uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I appreciate your answer. And I guess it just goes back to, you gotta one, know yourself, but you also have to know yourself by trying different things, right? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you do end up with injuries, sadly. So that's like an, that's like a moment where you have to kind of reevaluate, okay, that training just didn't work. And so Mm -hmm. I got to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Yeah. You also went into a week of functional overreaching. Um, I know you recorded a vlog all about it, so we don't have to get into the specifics of it. Uh, And I'll link to that episode below. But I forgot, was that your last 130 mile week when you went into functional overreaching and can you share a little bit about that and what that week kind of looked like yeah oh my goodness good question so the functional overreaching is where you intentionally in your training for you can do as little as seven days but you can i've seen it go all the way up to like two to two and a half weeks where you're intentionally basically another way I say it on YouTube is a calculated risk where you, but basically you, you've proven to yourself that you can stay healthy. And so you, you basically increase the intensity of your training and possibly even increase the volume of your training for seven to let's call it 17 days, no more than 17 days. Um, And the goal is that you take this risk and see if it pays off on race day where you actually, um, so for me to answer your question, it was like that second and third week. It was the second half of the second week of that 130 miles a week. Mm -hmm. And then going into that third week, it's, um, it's when I was up in Leadville. I don't know if you remember that I went up to, yeah, where I went up to 10. So I went up to 10,000 feet, did training up there in Leadville, Colorado. Um, and, but you know what was tough um, I, w- I wish I would have been able to do a little bit more uh, intensity during that time, but uh, we had a couple snowstorms here in Colorado that made it, it was okay, but it's hard. It's just really hard to run fast in the snow. Um, so we had a, so it didn't play out perfectly. So I'm hoping to do that again for this next training block. And hopefully by March, you know, we don't have as much snow here in Colorado. I guess dialing it back to, to life, how do you just manage all of it? You know, you're vlogging every day. It was the holidays. It was freezing outside. You have a full family to support. How do you develop uh, the intrinsic motivation in both running and as that, 
you know, intrinsic motivation translates to life outside. How, how did you build that up? I was fortunate to have some very, um, a dad, a father who was very driven and very uh, organized. So I definitely, you know, kind of, and he was a runner, same with my mom. And my mom was more of the patient person in the fa- in the household. So she taught me like all about patience. And my dad kind of taught me all about hard work and work ethic. Um, so the combination of the two just, I think, works really well currently for YouTube, for running and training. So I, I can't, you know, dis- I can't forget to mention like just my upbringing. Um, and I mean, I think as runners, we're very fortunate to have a sport. For example, if you played basketball or you were, let's say, a wrestler or you were on the football team in high school, that's awesome. But guess what? As soon as you graduate from high school, you may never play again on a competitive team. As runners, as cross-country and track runners in high school, you can compete at a high, high level for a long time. Mm. You know, like you can, you know, you become a professional. You can, so I think as runners, we have a, a really great gift that we can keep pursuing our sport long, you know, well in a long, long time. And, and so like, for example, I just registered for my next race. And now um, one of my tips when I, people are, you know, losing their motivation, I often tell them, well, you got to pick a goal. You got to register for a race. But as, as soon as you register for a race, and I realize we're in tough times right now with a lot of races being canceled, but once you register for a race, like the motivation for me personally just starts to go up and up and up. So yeah. anyway, that's a little uh, tidbit on motivation. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for that. And when it comes to a really big training day, uh, what does that look like? You get eight hours of sleep, right? I, I don't think there you can... Um, shrink that down unless you you actually operate better on six hours Uh, and then you wake up at five or even earlier can you kind of give us broad strokes of what your day looks like big training day I'll wake up at 4 50 a.m and then I'll I'll have coffee and a bobo bar until about 5 30 I'll start um, I'll start running let's just call it 5 45 a.m And I will do a, you know, depending on what the day looks like, but let's say I'm doing 26 miles for the day. I'll do, uh, most often I'll do the more mileage in the morning. So I'll do like 16 miles in the morning. So I'll be done by, if it's like 545, I'll be done by, um, let's just call it 730-ish AM. You know, you eat, eat a little bit more when you get home. Um, then I might start filming the vlog for the day by let's call it 8:30. So then if I spend um 8:30 to 11:30 filming the vlog, and then from 11:30 a.m. till um let's call it 2:30 p.m. editing, mm-hmm. roughly, maybe three, and then usually I'll double at um 3:30 p.m. And I'll do 10 miles in the evening or afternoon. So from 3.30 to 4.50, I'll do my double. And then it's dinner time. <laughs> wow. So that's, I mean, that's a that's a pretty typical, when I was running 130 miles a week, 
And when I'll do it again in this next training block, that's, um, that's, you know, one of the days is I'll, I'll always, I'll strive to hit 26 miles for the day, at least once a week. Yeah. That's incredible. So speaking of your next training cycle and upcoming races, when's what, what can we look forward to? When's the next one? Yeah, so I'm going to do the Glass City Half Marathon in Toledo, Ohio. So April 25th, it was really hard. Like, you know, a lot of races are, you know, postponed right now. So I wanted to do, so my big, I'd say bigger goal is a mountain race in Spain in on June 6th uh, mm-hmm. called Zegama. And uh, so I wanted to do a, one more race in April on the roads before I get ready for mountain running in the summer. Um, so yeah, the Glass City Half Marathon, it's going to be, I'll do a 10K tune-up race before that. But um, so if you live in Ohio, I'm, uh, I'm coming to Ohio. That's awesome. And well, we wish you all the luck in training and also in life as well. Um, Seth, we're coming to the end of our quick interview, but you know, I want to say thank you uh, so much for sharing your positivity and your knowledge in this episode of Nomad Wolf. I only have three more questions left, but before we get into that, where can people find you? Uh, what's the name of your blog, uh, your Instagram, your website, all of that? Yeah, I appreciate it. So my name, you could type my name, Seth, S-E-T-H, and then Demore, uh, no E on the end, so D-E-M-O-O-R. Type that into YouTube and you'll find the channel. And then the website is demoreglobalrunning.com, um, which is still developing, but uh, that that's the website. And then um, all of my handles on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Seth James Demore. So it's my full my full name. So yeah, Seth James Demore with no E at the end. Cool. And for everybody listening, everything is clickable in the show notes below. So if you want to head down there and watch some epic vlog episodes done by Seth and also his reviews, um, yeah, just head down and, and click below. So Seth, last set of questions. What do you live by daily? Is there a quote mantra, something that you adhere to? Well, you know, you know what I'm going to say, um, seek beauty or work hard and love each other. Uh, so at the end of every vlog, that's what I, I always say that. Um, so seek beauty as runners, we're given a gift to go seek beauty all around us every single day, whether we live in a city or we live in the mountains, it doesn't matter. We can seek beauty wherever we're at. Obviously we, we work hard as runners and I, I love working hard. It's just like gives a little more purpose to the day. Um, I love resting too. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then of course, love each other. Like I think the world is a crazy place sometimes. And so the more that we can reach out to our neighbors, you know, I think the better and, and, and to fellow runners as well. So yeah, seek beauty, work hard and love each, love other, each other is my, uh, is my mantra. Yeah. I love that sign off. Um, next question. What are your essential or favorite pieces of gear you need for your long day out? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so, oh my goodness. Well, oh boy. I mean, a, an obscure vest company that I I've, come to love is Raid Light out of France. Uh, Ray, a lot of people have not heard of them, but Raid Light, uh, I love it because it, it carries my uh, filming gear really well. That's why I mm. love Raid Light. Um, and then, 
I like a good handheld from Nathan, a handheld bottle. Um, I gotta it, have my, yeah. Is it a is it a soft bottle or is it a hard one? It, it's a, it's a hard one. Yeah. Okay. And I cool. hold it in, and it's insulated, so it stays pretty cold. Um, and then I love my Smith sunglasses, my big Smith sunglasses. Oh my goodness, what else? Um, oh, there's a, well, there's a few things for you. Yeah, there's there's a lot of gear. Uh, when it comes to current right now, favorite trail shoe and favorite road shoe for racing. For racing, ah. So obviously it, t- it depends a little bit on the distance. I know there's I'll, a, I'll, I know there's a matrix, but I mean, I know, right. right? <laughs> I mean, so I, I was able to, you know, win the Pikes Peak marathon in the innovate, which is a company out of the UK. Um, it's I N O V dash eight. Um, so innovates um, X talent G two ten is the name of the shoe very lightweight kind of like a cross-country shoe but it's uh i used it for the marathon i'm not saying i'd recommend it for everybody but that was that's probably my favorite trail racing shoe and then i love the lugs on the bottom of it like they just get really good grip Mm. and then um i mean i ran in, in the next percent by nike for the naples half marathon um i think yeah i'm hoping other companies continue to innovate to you know, challenge Nike because Nike is kind of the dominant force right now in the road scene. But I think Adidas is poised to have a good year. Mm. I hope they update the uh, Audios Pro a lot. I think that I think the Audios Pro, which you know, the current world record holder for the half marathon. Half marathon yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's an he's an Adidas guy. So I'm hoping I'm hoping Adidas can or adidas as the rest of the the world says yeah um we americans call it adidas but um um i hope they keep innovating so anyway there's a couple uh couple of names to toss out there there's probably an episode i'm forgetting it but what were your thoughts on the audios pro did you was did it not work for your feet i didn't love it because you know what i should have gone a half size down so i felt like the upper was not uh, fitting the top of my foot very well. I was like, it was like too much material. So, and I didn't want to, um, anyway, I didn't want to buy another pair. So, and then also I felt like the midsole was just a little firm. Um, Actually, is it out here? I think it's, I think it's inside, but Mm -hmm. it just, I just felt like the landing was a little too firm for me. So who knows? We'll see. I'm again, I think they, I think they're coming though. I think they're going to have a good, uh, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, last question, what makes you feel the most alive? I mean, from a running perspective, I would probably say, you know, racing is a lot of fun, but there is something special about being kind of alone on a mountain and getting an FKT on a 14er. And for those listening that don't know what a 14er is, that's a 14,000 foot mountain here in Colorado. And so we have uh, 54 of them here in the state. 54? So I've gotten, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. So I've gotten, you know, I think I was able to get, you know, maybe eight of them last year. Yeah. Um, so fa- a fastest known time. So that's probably where I feel the most alive and running. And in life, I mean, you know, I'm a father. And so just like trying to be present to the boys, I mean, as far as like really connecting with them, there's, you know, cause they're, you know, it's hard sometimes to go from YouTube and work and, 
everything in the world down to like, okay, there's still kids and like trying to connect with them on a kid level. Yeah. But when I'm able, when I'm able to do that, it's, uh, it's special. So. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Nomad Wolf podcast. It really means so much that you guys take the time out of your day to spend it with me and our guests. I really hope that today's content here and on the blog helps you on your path. If you're a new listener and like what you hear, feel free to hit the subscribe button. We'll be interviewing more Nomad Wolves and unpacking more secrets and stories that you don't want to miss. I'm going to leave you guys right here, but in the meantime, take care, take care of each other, stay present, and do your best to move forward, even if it's only a little bit. I'll catch you next time. Peace.